This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. It's the Global Thought Leader Insights. Brilliant thinking implemented. Brought to you by Internal Consulting Group. I'm Mark S.A. Smith. As a leader of your company, you must stay on top of your industry or risk obsolescence. This can be a daunting task. Get ready to solve your biggest challenges and learn how to capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this. Executives depend on external advisors to fill knowledge and experience gaps, to help them make a case for change, or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. Internal Consulting Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leaders from around the globe and makes them available to you. Get access to insights, advice, and the tools you need to succeed. Learn more at internalconsulting.com. My guest today is Clive Martin, who is an expert in the area of helping organizations connect strategy and risk to agile, rapid growth. He was with Ernst & Young for over 16 years, runs his own consulting organization, is a global thought leader at the Internal Consulting Group. Today, we're going to talk about strategy and agile risk management. Welcome to the show, Clive. Thank you, Mark. It's uh, great to be here today. Indeed. Let's talk about risk. Now, risk is an interesting thing because it's the corporate word for fear. <laughs> it's, it's some corporate words for fear, but it's also a word for opportunity. I like it. I like yeah. it. That's it. And both are important, you know, mm -hmm. in organizations as they, as they grapple with the, the challenges that the modern world throws at them. Indeed. So how do we take this risk and we avoid the things we fear, and we take advantage of these opportunities that other people may be potentially avoiding. What's the approach that we need to take here? Well, I like to think of it, Mark, as smart risk-taking. Mm -hmm. And to be smart in the modern world, I think organizations want to be agile um, about what they do and how they go about it. And so when they're addressing risks and they're taking risks, if they have a capability which is agile, then that's a good thing. That's a cool thing to have. Indeed. And so what I, what I then say is risk management should also be agile in support of that broader firm's capability. So that's where agile risk management comes from. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense, given that we can probably break down most risk into two different types of problems. We have a slow-moving problem, and we have a fast-moving problem. 
And a fast-moving problem, we have to be extremely agile so we can avoid that slow-moving problems that are going to probably go away with the application of technology. And so I guess part of this is understanding what the risk is that we're approaching so that we can determine how to be agile and how to either avoid it or if we just ignore it. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think uh, the velocity um, of risks and emerging risks and so on is a very important uh, area. Um, Of course, it's also an area where there's a lot of um, uh, ambiguity and complexity uh, in the modern world is, you know, we're all facing really exciting times, mm-hmm. but none of us really know where it's all going to end up. No. Um, and so managing the uncertainties associated with that is going to be quite important in order to be successful. And yes, being able to break things down in that way is the key. So you talked there about this velocity argument, you know, what's fast moving, what's slow moving. That's a really important point, a really important aspect of breaking things down. But there are also other ways to break down this big thing about riskiness into stuff that you can actually work with. And from an agile risk management perspective, it's really important to get to that level of granularity in order you can prioritize your improvement activity. And I want to go to that space. But And first, before we do that, I want you to, to set up for our listener the relationship between risk management and strategy. Okay, well, um, I'll, I'll start off with a little story, if you don't mind, uh, there, there, Mark. Um, I like stories. I'll get my popcorn. <laughs> okay, get the popcorn. So, uh, run your mind back to the year 2000. You know, there's lots of things happening around then, which we won't go into too much detail about. But one of the things I was doing was, was working um, um, with a major power company. Um, and I got very excited because I was going to have the opportunity to look at their strategy document which had just been set in collaboration with uh, one of the you know, world's leading strategy consultants. Um, so I was really, um, really excited and eager to see what they were saying in there about risk. Couldn't mm-hmm. wait. Mm-hmm. Absolutely couldn't wait. And I flicked through the document really excitedly. And then I got to a page quite near the back, which had four bullets on it in relation to risk. No way. My face fell. (laughs) How can this be that the complexity this organization has is whittled down from a strategic perspective to four bullies? And, of course, the reason for that in those days was that um, consultants like that didn't take the time to fully explain or develop or explore riskiness in this the sort of sophisticated way that they can do uh, nowadays. They hadn't done it that way before. And corporate history can always be a big constraint on progress. Mm-hmm. So they just hadn't they just hadn't done it. Of course, that was a long time ago. Um, so things have moved on. And I think the dialogue in relation to risk and its um, its, its you know its, its linkage with strategy um, um, has improved. It has developed. And how is that developed? Well, probably in a couple of ways. The first thing is when strategy is being said, it is important to think about riskiness. There are going to be lots of possible outcomes. So do you really want to set your strategy in the, in the way that you're going to, um, given those risks, or do you want to shift it? Mm-hmm. So strategy setting is the first thing. Indeed. And then the second thing is when it comes to mapping out that strategy, and strategy mapping is a term that you know some people are familiar with. Well, again, you're going to be facing uncertainty. So what are you going to do about managing those in an optimal and agile 
type of way. How do you plan to do that? Mm-hmm. And then the last area, of course, is when it comes to the actual implementation of strategy. And you've got all your projects and all your programs underway to hopefully achieve um, uh, success. Well, how will risk actually be managed in those circumstances? That's also the third dimension. So I see progress being made in all of those now, which is, which is a good thing because fundamentally it's logical. You know, of course it is. You can't move forward in your organization without uncertainty Mm -hmm. around strategy. So it's logical to address it in those ways. Indeed. Well, uncertainty is always part of the future. Uh, Remember that executives create a future that does not yet exist using methods methods that have not yet been invented with best practices that have yet to be established. And that all ways opens up an opportunity for risk. Yet we also have a different climate since the world of 2000. And that is there's a lot more litigation and legislation about people considering risk and protecting customers against risk than there was ever before. And if we don't consider an attempt at least a level of risk management, risk mitigation, there is a substantial opportunity of litigation and people going to jail. Yeah, uh, absolutely right. Of course it is. And that... um uh, you know, encourages firms to think in a number of different ways about risk because it's not always just about the financial impact associated with certain things which may happen for benefit or certain things which may happen uh, for worse for an organization. So there's there risk to the investor, for example. Risk to the, risk, risk to the investor, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's also the ethical dimensions for the investor as well as for the organization itself mm-hmm. in terms of how it wants to go move and go forward. And we, we see that um, increasingly featuring in the, in the new world that we're existing in, those ethical considerations about how decisions will, will be made in edge technology and so on. And agile risk management should be supporting that. There should be a sort of clarity as to how risks will be managed in edge technology as well as other, um, other parts of the business. That's really an interesting concept here, because what you're saying is that behavior risk is now something that we have to consider as an executive. Will our officers behave uh, in accordance to our culture, in accordance to our ethics? And if they don't, what happens? How do we manage that? I think that's a serious issue with a lot of financial institutions. You know, there's not enough money to solve the uh, class action lawsuits if some of the uh, unethical things would ever come out that we see in some of the world banks. That's not why we're here, but I think it's an interesting risk issue that we have to look at. It is an interesting risk issue because, you know, when when the leaders of organizations, you know, have their vision as to how their organization is going to work, there will be something in there about the behavior of individuals, right? They might not be all that explicit about you know, what it will be, but there'll be something in there. Some will be more explicit than others. Mm-hmm. But the question is, we're all, we're all human. So how do you, you know, get to the situation where people are operating in the way that you and they want them want to operate? And there's a whole, new, a whole set of sciences associated with that. But when it comes to risk management, I think there's a really smart way to think about it. And that is that the operational risk, which includes behavior, undermines everything else in the organization, all the other uh, risk categories. Hmm. You know, so in a bank, for example, your market risk or your credit risk distributions will not be what you think they are 
um, if operational risk is not managed well, because that will have a knock-on effect on the way uh, trades are done and, 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 and so on. And if you think about operational risk, there's a standard subcategorization there, which is, you know, people, processes, systems, and external events. Mm-hmm. But of that, the people component underpins or undermines, depending on which way you look at it, the other three as well. Indeed. So that people dynamic, that behavioral dynamic is absolutely at the heart of um, uh, effective risk management. And isn't managing people risk the most difficult risk to manage? Well, um, it could be in certain situations. (laughs) Um, uh, I think one one of the important things is on one hand, it feels like this is something new, a new discovery here. But but just to perhaps put in another another story, I, I first got involved in risk management in the late 80s, late 1980s. Um, and I went to an open day at university. And there was this guy called Professor Gordon Dixon. Now, um, he had, Professor Dixon had a very dour expression on his face. He had very <laughs> drippy eyes and quite a slow way about him. But when he opened his mouth, he was one of the most, you know, inspirational and just exciting pe- pe- person I've ever listened to in relation to the management of risk. And one of the reasons for that was he saw it holistically. Mm -hmm. He saw then in the 1980s the importance of people and human behavior and understanding organizational psychology as a critical part of managing all other risk categories. So since then, I've always thought of it in that way, but not all of the world has. Because if you look at risk management frameworks which were developed and so on in the intervening period, and it's been a long time, I, I, I I accept that. They haven't all been as sophisticated in relation to the management of risk as they could be. Mm -hmm. And we're now in a situation where there's the opportunity to bridge between um, uh, behavioral change techniques and risk management more broadly or the management of risk in an organization more broadly. And if that's done smartly at strategic level and implementation and even at tactical level, then it's going to unlock, um, you know, more opportunity to get things better. So I think we're we're, we're going through a period of increased realization that there's the opportunity there, despite the fact that people have been talking about it in some quarters for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So your point here, based on our earlier conversation, that operational behavioral risk overwhelms all other risks. So therefore, looking at behavioral change management to take care of operational and behavioral risk is the place where you need to start if you're going to have a reasonable run at managing risk. Is that a a good way to summarize that or did I miss something? Well, I think it's one of the three critical things you have to deal with in parallel. Okay. Uh, so if you don't do it, you, you're probably not going to be successful in the way that you'd want to be. Um, so you have to run it in parallel with other things, yeah. All right. So what are the other two things that we have to pay attention to in parallel? Well, when I when I think about risk management effectiveness um, in our organization, I like to use the analogy of motor racing or All Formula right. One or NASCAR or whatever it is. Now, I know that puts some people off, but if they bear with me just for a second, they'll see the, the significance of the, of the analogy. Because if you're thinking about the effectiveness of a motor racing team, mm-hmm. the, I think there are three things to think about. Mm-hmm. Now, the first thing is the kit 
the tools, the equipment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So most people start to think about a car there. But of course, it's not just about the car. It's about the the computers and the machinery and the models and so on that the team has access to either at the um, at the track itself or back at back at base or or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And of course, you could say, "Well, I want the car to be better. I want the car to be more effective." Um, you think, well, that, yeah, but that's a bit of a generalization. So you have to get a bit more granular than that. Mm-hmm. So you're zooming in on the car. You then say, "Well, I've got to get the engine right." Mm-hmm. The engine's got to be great, and then the wheels have got to be great, and other things. I say, well, that, that's okay too, but it's still a bit of a generalization, isn't it? I mean, what is it in the engine that you've got to get you've got to get right? And when you get to that level, you can start to establish and get really get to grips with the effectiveness of the toolkit. And you think then um, it's not just about individual components, but how well they work together. Indeed, so systems. Yeah, systems exactly. Um, so that's the whole first thing is the kit. And then you've got to think about these people, which mm-hmm. is your, your point earlier on about behavior and mm-hmm. so on. And everyone in this in this analogy, everyone thinks about the driver because um, he's really important. And of course he is. Um, but so are other members of the team. Mm-hmm. And, and so are course, other drivers. And so are other drivers. Yeah. Indeed. Um, and that's where the agility thing comes in uh, in, in, a, in a second. And of course, it's not just about their individual abilities either. It's about their ability to work well as a team. Uh, it can't be taken for granted, and there's all sorts of dynamics associated with that thing. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got your kit, and then you've got your people. And then the third thing is really the way in which the kit is tuned by those people mm-hmm. and properly applied for the specifics of the racetrack that they're on. Mm-hmm. You know, so in Formula One, the setup for a race around Monte Carlo, the streets of Monte Carlo, is going to be very different, mm-hmm. you know, from a big oval uh, racetrack in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, mm-hmm. so you've got that kind of um, adjustment that needs to take place. So if you were doing the effectiveness of a Formula One team or a race, race car team, you'd have to think about all of those components. Now, it's the same for risk management. It's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. There's the kit, again, which we said was a car before, but here it's about policies, it's about procedures, it's about IT systems, mm-hmm. about controls, all those things which are um, the risk appetite statements, you know, governance arrangements, all the things that you have to play with. Mm-hmm. Some people focus on those and forget the rest and think that's effectiveness. It isn't because you've also got the people and that's the guys in the first line managing risk, running the business. Mm-hmm. It's the second line, so it's the guys running risk functions, trying to help the business in some respects, remain independent in other respects. And then you've got the third line, internal audit, playing its part. And, of course, it's not just them. As you pointed out earlier, there's the role of investors. There are supervisors. There's other stakeholders which all play a part here. Mm-hmm. So how do those individuals apply each of the tools um, uh, separately and collectively in those underlying business processes, mm-hmm. which is the equipment tracks. So if it's an insurance company, it'll be your underwriting procedures or your claims management. Um, you know, if it's um, uh, to do in the hospitality industry, it'll be doing with booking systems and things, things like that. But how well are they being applied? Mm-hmm. So you've got these three components and the intersections between them is where the action is. Indeed. And if you can get granular enough on those, then you've got something to work with. You know, it reminds me very much of a conversation I had with my children when I was teaching them to drive. I raised five millennial children, and, I, and we talked about this concept of risk in the car. 
And we yeah. talked about the three things and very similar was we talked about equipment, experience and environment, which are the three elements that you just talked about as well. The equipment, as long as you were in that beautiful Audi that had anti-lock brakes, you were a lot safer. Um, your experience, the more time you had on the road, the better off you were. If you weren't driving at night, uh, that was probably a place where there's going to be some risk. And then, of course, environment, if it was raining, snowing, anything like that. And so we would have them do a quick assessment about their risk of going out on experience, equipment, and environment to say whether this was a good thing to go drive or not. So I'm, I'm absolutely along with you on this particular ride of how do we evaluate risk using these three elements. It's really good. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> well, that's a great example to hear. And, and, but it's not surprising because it's logical. It and is. it's the whole thing about mm -hmm. effective enterprise risk management. It's logical. Mm -hmm. You know, and Professor Gordon stood, um, Professor Gordon Dixon stood up and spoke to me. Yeah, strong logic. And there's always strong logic in enterprise risk management. The question, the real key question is how smart do you, can you get with its deployment? Mm -hmm. And your kids may or may not have been happy with the direction you gave them in relation to doing risk assessments and so on. So there's something about the interplay there, you know, mm -hmm. in, in terms of choosing how you wish to represent it. And, and there's also something about proportionality too. Oh, of course. It's all very important. But it's grounded in that really strong logic. Indeed. Grounded at least in the fact that we had a simple formula that we could use to assess whether it was an issue or not. Now, I also have to say, uh, Clive, that when we did this, I would teach them this when they were the most afraid. <laughs> not when they were the most arrogant <laughs> well timing is everything it isn't that say. the truth um, it, it, it is the truth and and actually you know there's there's increasing uh, understanding and awareness in the, in the world in the risk management community about the art mm -hmm. of communication in relation mm -hmm. to risk mm -hmm. and the art of reporting it's not really about creating lots of pulling together lots of data and you know thumping it down in front of executives in a big thick volume with all the all the risk information they could possibly want not going to help us much because <laughs> no, exactly it's, it's a decision in the moment that really decides whether this is going to work or not that's right so tuning into what where are these decisions made in an organization and what's the best way to support that decision making with the right sort of risk information mm -hmm. that's an art in itself Indeed. And it's well, also one which I think is underdeveloped at the moment. We'll be back with more after this. The world is moving fast. It's difficult to keep up. Your executive team needs new ideas to keep them ahead of the competition. Download and share the Internal Consulting Group's monthly executive magazine, The Insights Review. Every issue includes thought leadership and ideas that you can leverage to solve issues and harvest opportunities facing you. Get your complimentary copy from internalconsulting.com slash publications. What that leads me to is this concept of that risk mitigation, risk management is going to be baked into the culture of the organization. Well, I think the way in which risk management Represent, is represented in the culture of an organization should be dependent on how that particular organization wants to do things. Mm -hmm. um, if it wants to be very, you know, obviously controlled and um, uh, stable and things like that, then then the culture of components of 
risk management are going to be different than an organization which is quite happy to be very risky mm -hmm. and investors are quite happy for it to be very risky um, you know as well as it goes so um, so you have that and then of course you've got the situations where inside certain organizations you can have both cultures uh, existing at the same time indeed and this is increasingly true in large you know developed organizations which are trying to find new ways to create revenue opportunities for themselves and so on so if you're sitting at the top of that organization and you've got responsibility for managing risk in it you want to know that your risk management capability your tools your people are be and so on have been properly applied mm -hmm. in a in an appropriate and different way for each part of that organization and that takes a bit of doing mm -hmm. that takes a bit of doing but if you focus on priority areas and you keep everything proportionate mm -hmm. then it's, it's going to be done in the right in the right sort of way then the whole idea that we're getting to is that risk is a complex scenario managing risk is complex and there's some elements of risk that we may uh, be a little more lenient in our risk reward type of equation in other areas we're going to be very stringent in our risk control areas and that's going to require management decision based on strategy and that's where risk management and strategy come together yeah that's right um, and the more um complex it is then the more sophisticated risk management needs to be you know if you if you walk into a casino um you know roughly what the odds can be are on different types of games and it's a fairly controlled environment mm -hmm. you know how much money's in your wallet you know how much you can put up or whatever that's good if you start to make that environment more complex mm -hmm. by having other people that share your wealth with you and they're all off at different games then you know how are you going to start putting some sort of appropriate control around who's can spend what in different places. And then what if the what if um, we're playing roulette and we don't know how many squares there are on the wheel? <laughs> Will that affect, you know, how much we're prepared to put in an individual state? Well, it, it probably w it might do. It depends, you know, where we think these things are. And then you can imagine that the, the games somehow in a, in a casino were linked. So imagine the roulette. The odds in a red table were also linked to what was happening on the blackjack table at the same time. It was some sort of crazy combination that no one had seen before, and no sort of correlation that people had seen before. This—that's the world that we're going into. Mm -hmm. That's that's what's happening, you know, all around us in these digital sh shifts and so on. Mm -hmm. Therefore, when organisations are trying to work out what their strategy should be and how agile that strategy should be, that's when they want to draw upon risk management experts to support that with the right sort of agile risk management capability. When somebody looks at bringing in an expert like yourself to help with risk management, what's the process that you take them through to help them understand where to put their attention, where to upgrade their kit, where to upgrade their experience, where to pay attention to their environment? What's the process that you use? Well, it can vary, of course, depending on the organization, depending on the industry that's in and the individuals involved. And in most instances, Clients are, you know, smart people, and they know there's something they would like to do more with. Sure, they're listening you know. to the show right now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they're listening to the show right now because it, it, somewhere in there they know there's more they can do here mm -hmm. uh, in relation to this, and they're probably right. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do we get enough sort of visibility over what those things are so that we can actually make a difference mm -hmm. rather than you know, eating the whole elephant, we're, we're, we're getting it into chunks. Mm -hmm. um, and typically, 
what I'd say is, well, let's start with the strategy of the organization. Let's make sure we've got sufficient visibility over what that is or what it is becoming because, you know, things are moving and they're not always. Um, and often organizations will have laid out what all the strategy drivers and the levers and associated with value creation, so on, are. And then say to them, how well articulated are the risks associated to each of those strategy drivers and levers? Mm-hmm. Because whatever you do, whatever you want to prioritize now, it'd be great to be able to link it to one or more of those strategy drivers, one of those value creation levers. So that's an area to to start with. Um, and some organizations will have done more than, than others. And then you're then saying, how do you describe your risk management capability? And in most organizations, they will have a framework. And in most organizations, that framework will talk about the kit. Remember mm-hmm. that analogy from before? Mm-hmm. It will talk about all of those things that they have. It may not all be all that joined up. It may not, um, you know, it might be a bit lumpy. Mm-hmm. There may be some clumsy language. And so, and it'll, it'll have something about certain types of individuals, but responsibilities might not be crystal clear. Mm-hmm. In many cases, they won't be, especially in matrix uh, type structures. Um, and you say, okay, well, you know, if we, t- if we take that, how can we, um, do a bit of work or do a bit of a study to understand the handles mm-hmm. for the most relevant risk management activity here um, for those strategy levers that we spoke about before. And we're getting to that granularity. They may have had reports from a, you know, an internal audit report. They may have had an external review done. They may have done their own risk management effectiveness review. But we're, we're reviewing itself to say, okay, we're where are the things that we? What are the things we can move? What are the levers we can push and pull in our surprise activity? And then it's a case of saying, how do we demonstrate the value of this in some form of business case mm-hmm. to enable the button to be pushed on further, on further activity? And of course, the sequencing of the corporate cycle is very important um, when it comes to that as well. Sure, that that makes complete sense. So it's an, the approach is to map um, the risk factors to the strategy to the value drivers. Figure out how all those things play together, and then decide where you need to pay attention from a risk management standpoint uh, to to maximize your value and your return, minimize your risk to the organization. I like it. Yes. Wow, that's a that's a lot of things to think about. Well, it is, um, but we're moving to a world where risk management is sophisticated, indeed, and there is more. There is a little detail to it, and um, you know, I, I love helping clients with this. I love talking to clients not just about the effectiveness and efficiency of particular components of their risk management framework, but about how flexible those things are, how adaptive. Mm-hmm adaptable they are, how responsive they can be, you know, how well they're linked to local business agility requirements out in business. I love doing all that stuff. It's great. Um, it's really exciting. And it's at the, I think it's at the front end of uh, risk management activity. I, think, I also believe that we're moving to the place to where that is part of the value proposition of the company for a couple of reasons. Reason number one is that the average lifespan of a company has dropped substantially uh, over the past few decades uh, to an average of 18 years from over 60 years. And I think part of that has to do with uh, market go-to-market risk and investor risk and a lot of other elements. The second element is that today people don't necessarily choose the best vendor. They choose the safest vendor. 
And so I think safety and risk management is part of the value proposition that the that investors demand and consumers demand. Thoughts? Yes. Yeah. And it, well, it's it's a, I, yeah. So it's important to um, uh, recognize that it's appropriate risk taking, which is the key. Mm-hmm. It's not risk reduction at all costs. It's not trying to stamp out risk. Organizations should be allowed to take risk. Mm-hmm. Um, they do take risk. They do. Um, you know, so the risk management capability and things around it should all be about supporting the right sort of risk taking. Mm-hmm. But that should be conscious. It should be aware and subject to economic limits. It should be, you know, inf- inf- as well informed as it should be. Mm-hmm. I think that's what investors are increasingly looking for. Now, when it comes to making statements externally on risk, that can be quite a difficult topic. And, you know, various um, bodies around the world have made moves to try and encourage firms to report risks externally in the report and accounts or information that goes along, along with it. But that is a, um, a, a, a difficult area, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it relies on a maturity when it comes to risk dialogue between all of the stakeholders involved, and I think we're seeing an evolution of that maturity, you know, as we go as we go forward. Indeed, and given the fact that uh, understanding risk is a very sophisticated mental exercise, and you have to understand what the risk factors mean, and you have to understand the ultimate impact and the way that they all fit together if you're going to draw a specific conclusion. That's something that the average individual doesn't have the skill to do. So this idea of publishing risk factors can actually be, I think, quite uh, damaging inappropriately as people don't understand how to make the right judgment based on what they're presented with. Well, it can be damaging, um, but it could also be and should perhaps be rewarding. Um, for individuals involved, but but to take that point that you're, you're making, um, individuals since they were around have been managing risk. Indeed, and you know, as as a you know, standalone being, we've got an incredible ability to process information. We don't know what we're doing it after time; it's subconscious. Mm-hmm. We've got a fantastic ability, all of us, you know, um, have a fantastic ability to do interpret things and and manage risk and take risk in the right sort of way. So the challenge is when we walk through the doors of our organisations that we work for in the morning. Do we hold on to that capability or do we start to lose it? And is that a good thing or a bad oh, thing? Oh, interesting. That's an interesting. So do we actually shift from our, our day-to-day culture to our corporate culture as we view risk? I think that's a fascinating concept. And there are some studies around which suggest that we do. Mm-hmm. We do indeed do that. Um, you know, So in certain industries, for example, the studies show that when individuals walk through the door of the organization, um, the they think more about following rules and less about logic hmm. and less about caring or love. Oh, and that's right? pure, that's purely that's purely culture. That's a hundred percent culture. I like so that. the question is, what do you do about it? Right? If you yeah. want to, if, if it's not right, and you want to shift. How do you how do you do about it? Well, but certainly, it, yes. you know, in a complex organization, in a complex environment which we're in. Um, yeah, it probably is too much for one brain. Mm-hmm. So that's why your risk management capability has to be properly structured mm-hmm. with all the systems and the kit and everything. In the same way as no one individual can work out everything necessary to to win a, 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 a motor race, right? Mm-hmm. You need all of this kit 
shaped up in the right sort of way. And of course, the teams that do it best will be the winners. Mm-hmm. Right. In the corporate world, that's what we're trying to achieve as well. In- indeed. A great conversation, Clive. How does our, our listener get a hold of you if they want to engage you in understanding how to better manage risk or improve risk agility in their organization? Well, um, I'd love to speak to them. And of course, they can contact us through any of the internal consulting group contacts that they that they currently have. We're connected around the world and mm-hmm. we can do that. And they can also look at my personal uh, website, which is clivemartinconsulting.com. Great. Um, great conversation. Any parting advice for our listener? Well, you know, it's, a, and it's an exciting and sometimes scary world out there. Um, But if you think about the agility that your organization wants and you get granular enough with your risk management capability, you're going to be able to play a big part in that. And that's from the mouth of a global thought leader around risk management. That wraps up this episode. Go to internalconsulting.com slash global hyphen thought hyphen leaders to contact today's guest. If you like the show, Share it with your executive team and review us on iTunes. This is Global Thought Leader Insights. Brilliant thinking implemented. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.